0: To the Hindu person, God is many different things, because um, within Hinduism there's pantheism. There's you know there's many different ideas. Krishna is the original form of God, and from Him unlimited incarnations are coming: Vishnu, Narayan, uh, Lakshmi. God also has female form, both male form and female form. The Srimad Bhagavatam states that there are more names for God than there are waves of water on the ocean. So all of those are different forms of God. Uh, Jehovah, Allah, Buddha, Rama, Yahweh. Hinduism is uh, a very wide open religion. They're very tolerant of all other religions. You know, They feel that, there are, like in Bhagavad Gita, it says there are many paths leading to God. And uh, they're all valid.
1: God or Allah is the source of every blessing, every guidance, every good things, every greatness and, and grace and, and dignity and divinity, a source of peace, source of prosperity, source of salvation, source of success. For us, He is everything. Uh, There is a verse in the Quran that He is saying that he is closer to us than this vein here, the what you call it jugular vein. He is just closer.
2: Buddhism is a non-theistic religion and so we don't have a belief in God uh, but instead in Buddha nature. Which is within each person, and uh, which is something that the Buddha Shakyamuni discovered upon awakening. As I, as I said, um, he said something like wonderful and marvelous. Without exception, all beings are Buddha. Not people don't realize that, and so that's what the practices are about. Uh, so we look inside for that, rather than. Outside for and actually Buddhism is called a religion of self-help Rather than other help The concept of God in Judaism is a concept that we don't really understand As far as we can explain God God has many names and the point of every one of God's names is because You can perceive God in a certain way, but that's not God I don't know if you've ever seen the film about, I think it's 12 blind men who banged into an elephant. And each one felt a different part of the elephant and thought he was feeling something else. And the truth is, each one was able to describe their limited perspective or perception of what they were banging into. But that really wasn't the elephant. It's the same idea. God created the world. He is, was, will be. That's all we know. He's the power behind all powers. But who is he? How can I define him? The word, the name that we use to define a means undefinable. It just describes a concept of something that's really undefinable. So with our limited human perspective, we cannot define exactly who is God. God is beyond the realm of perspective.
1: All right. Clear as mud? Got it? Thanks for coming. Good to see you guys. Um, Wow! So who's right? We're gonna we're gonna try to unpack this in thirty minutes, and uh, I don't know how far we're gonna get, but we're gonna be talking about this whole entire deal today. Is what what is the difference between a lot of the world religions, and how can we actually say that that Jesus is the only way? And you know, by the way, that's a really popular unpopular view, isn't it, that to, to say that Jesus is the only way, because it sometimes people think that you're very narrow-minded or close-minded to say that. And um, I just, I want to say, first of all, that <laughs> this is this is going to be hard to actually ta- tackle this topic in 30 minutes, right? We're going to solve it in 30 minutes? Woo! No, probably not. But, uh, I, and I'm not an expert on this, but but I I feel like I've had enough conversations, some of them around the world with different, different people and different faiths, and uh, enough to be able to... ...to have done a lot of reading on this and a lot, of, a lot of study... ...to be able to maybe maybe take a look at this and, and illuminate it just a little bit today. I've had the opportunity to talk to, to Muslims and, and to Buddhists and, and Hindu people over the years. And, uh, and so we're going to take a crack at it today. If you came and you brought your program, grab that and grab a pen... ...because I'm going to give you a lot of information today... ...and some of which I, I really want to encourage you to go back and write down... ...and, and to check out and kind of scan through God's Word. One of the best things that you can do... Uh, to, to live beyond Sunday morning is just to grab the football and run yourself during the week, right? And take some of these thoughts and you can actually even use it for your, your time of study and, uh, and spending some time with Jesus during the week and kind of, kind of digging a little bit further into it. Um, what I find is really, really interesting as I look at all the world religions is this, is that 90 to 95% of all the world's population, that would be like, I don't know, 6 billion people or so, so about 6 billion people in the world would hold to some sort of religious belief. So there, there's, there's something that that tells us about humanity. If if 90 to 95% of all humanity is saying, yeah, we believe to some kind of system, some kind of belief, and, and you may have heard it said, have you heard this said that basically, you know, all religions are the same, sometimes people sum it up that way, like there's all different ways to the top of the mountain, or it doesn't really matter if you're this or that. That 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 it's all kind of the same. You may have heard that, and, and 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 the truth is that's partially true. Partially true. It's true that a lot of world religions have like um, a moral law or some kind of moral code. That that's absolutely true, and so almost all world religions share that. It's also true that almost all world religions have some sort of accountability for your action, right? So there, there's some kind of system put into place for your life, and, and not only this current life, but also the afterlife. And so as you think about that, it's, it's very interesting that it really actually doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or, or Hindu or whatever it is. What's interesting is that there seems to be, this is amazing, there seems to be something inside of us inherently created within us as human beings to want to adhere to some sort of moral law. Or some sort of action or accountability or, or to live beyond ourselves or, or wanting to do good. There's something innately in us that speaks to that. We're going to use that as kind of a starting point. So check out the screen here. We're going to go to Romans chapter 1 and uh, and kind of take a look at this wiring a little bit. So why is 90 to 95% of all world population saying that they adhere to some kind of religious uh, practice? Look at this in uh, verse 19 of Romans 1. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. Isn't that interesting? Listen to this. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. What's being talked about here is that there's some kind of design. There's some kind of plan, master plan for us as human beings, created beings by God, to have a natural bent, a wiring to want to seek more outside of ourselves. To want to adhere to something. To want to pursue something. Look at this, verse 20. For the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God made. And they've clearly seen His invisible qualities. Isn't that a great line? They have clearly seen His invisible qualities. How? His eternal power and His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. No excuse whatsoever. So God has created us, we find this in his word, uh, with this design, this, this, this want to know the truth, to want to live for something bigger, something more purposeful in our life. Even so much so that we look around us and we notice that there's an invisible creator. There's something going on in this world around us that we can see. He's placed that in our hearts, this ability, this wanting, this desire to know him. One chapter later, in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, goes on to say this. And even when Gentiles, in other words, another reference to people that that are not God's people, they're not followers necessarily of Christ, but even the Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, because God's written law was given to, to God's people, the Jewish people, Israelites, who do not have God's written law, instinctively follow what the law says. They show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. Verse 15. And they demonstrate that God's law is written within them for their own consciousness. Either, either accuse them or or tell them what they're doing is either right or wrong. And so there's this hard wiring. this hard wiring inside of each one of us. It doesn't matter who you are in, 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 in religion, outside of religion, in a faith practice, outside of a pra- faith practice. This wiring that says... There's some kind of moral code. There's some kind of a a spiritual accountability. There's something that we're seeking for. Almost the whole world. All throughout history. And if we were to take all the world's religions, all the major world's religions, and kind of like mix them together, try to see what, what are those moral codes, it's really interesting that there's about eight things that all world religions kind of adhere to. You can find all of these things... All of these moral laws in every single culture and religion in the world. Here they are. Here's here's kind of a a, a little bit of a summary. You can find all of these right here in, in every world religion. Here's the first one. Don't harm anyone. We call that the golden what? The golden rule, yeah. Don't harm anyone. You can find that in almost every single culture and every single world religion. Number two, honor your mom and your dad. Honor your parents. Number three... Be kind to your your brothers, and your sisters, and your neighbors, and the elderly, and the people that that, that are around you, in your community. Be kind. Number four, don't have sex outside of your marriage. Honor that. Number five, don't lie, which includes white lies and embellishment, right? Don't lie. Don't, Don't be a deceiver. Number six, be honest in all of your dealings, right? Number seven, take care... ...of those who are less fortunate or who are weaker or who are in dire straits... ...or, or those who, who who are of misfortunes that need help. Take care of those people. Look out for them. Number eight. Dying to self. Dying to yourself is the path to life. Really what, what that means there is sometimes we like to play God rather than let God play God. And so we die to ourself and that's the path of life. You'll find that one in every single world religion. Number nine. Those who leave the toilet seat up will suffer the consequences. That's, that's true in every culture. I don't care where you come from. It's true. Yeah, my wife added that one. Um, <laughs> and, and so th- those are the eight, and maybe some that I added, that, that you can find in every world religion, every culture. And there's variations on those a little bit. Uh, in, in the Buddhist moral code is probably the most morally rigorous that there is. They add a lot more to, to that code. And, 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 but this, this code also sounds vaguely familiar and similar to what? Yeah, Christianity. We call it the, the Ten Commandments, right? And, and, and so in the Ten Commandments, we would add several more, though. We would say, you know, don't, put, put God before everything else. Don't have graven images. Worship Him. And so there's a few more. But almost every culture shares these eight. And so, because of that, we might conclude then. That since all we world re- religions, before history, before time, that every culture would know the difference then between what is right and between what is wrong. If it is written on our hearts, if, if we are created that way, and whether or not you believe that, just taking a survey of world cultures would prove that, that we are seeking that, that we desire that. That's human nature, regardless of whether or not th- you think there's a creator. If that's true, then we can conclude that all of the world tends to be seeking for a better way beyond themselves to answer life's questions and to deal with life's issues. You might also conclude then, as many people have, then, that that would mean that then basically all world religions are probably the same. That, 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 you know, that there are many different ways to God. And as long as you are sincere, and as long as you are seeking, and you're on your path, that all roads would lead to the top of the mountain. All roads would lead to God. And, and, and i got to tell you, that, that message sounds really good, doesn't it? It sounds good. It sounds great. But is is that true? Is it just just relative? Is it true that everything is the same? And everything, just slight variations here and there, but everything kind of leads in the same direction. Is that true aren't all religions all the same and i gotta say i mean don't you wish they were because i do from, from a humane perspective from, from a perspective of of just wanting to, to 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 be humane i i would love the fact that if we could just pick behind any curtain curtain number three that they're all the same that, that everything would be the same have you have you seen deal or no deal yeah, does anyone ever win on that show? I mean, there's supposed to be like the million dollar prize. Has anyone won that? I don't even know. I, it would be so great on that show if, if behind every single card, right, was a million dollars. Every show would be great. We'd watch it every week. Guess what? You just won, I know, a million dollars. It doesn't matter what I pick. I just won. It would be great if people would just win it all the time. But, but that's not how it works, is it? That's not how it works. And I wish that, I wish everyone would win. I wish that, that no matter what religion, no, no matter what belief system, that it would all be the same. I just wish it would all work out and be all okay. Erwin McManus says it this way, though. He says, they're not the same. And to say that they are, that they're all the same, is to dishonor the significance and value and intelligence of human beings. Why? Because we don't all choose the same thing, do we? There's choice involved. In other words, life is not this facade, this illusion, where, where we're, we're, just, we're just all choosing the same thing. I can't say that my favorite color is green, and you would say your favorite color is blue, and at the end of the day we find out that it's, that it's red. <laughs> I thought my favorite color was blue, and yours was green, or mine was green, and yours was blue, but they all turn out to be red. How is that? There's no choice in that. How is that? Because we all make choice. Or you think about your favorite food. Um, Favorite food, Italian? Italian here? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah, Italian? Oh, come on. Chinese? Right? Excellent. Great. French food? What is that? I don't know. Fries? (laughs) (laughs) What is French? Pastries. Pastries. Yes. Pastries. Excellent. Cheese. Great. So we have all of these same foods, right? We love them and we crave them all. But what if at the end of time they were just all the same food? that doesn't make any sense. You're insulting my intelligence then because I have choice. I have the ability to choose one thing. But, But if we were to say all religions are the same and everything is exactly the same, then it would totally negate any choice or any intelligence that we have or any wiring that we would have. And so I would love to say that everything works out in the end. I mean, I would love to say that. That every philosophy and every single belief system and every path and every road would lead to God but as we take a look at the scripture it's just not true it's not what the Bible teaches and so even though there is a lot in common with world religions and Christianity there's there's a lot of similarities um, there's some differences and this morning I just want to take a few minutes as we answer this question why is Jesus the only way why would we say that I want to just look at these these differences really quickly here and uh, so if you're taking notes here's your first thing I'd love for you to write down and this is quite long, and you have a small space, so you may just write in shorthand. But the first thing I'd love for you to write down is a major, major difference, and that is this that Mohammed and Buddha and Jesus are not equal. Mohammed and Buddha and Jesus are not equal. And here's what I mean by that is that all of these leaders, they were they were all leaders of a particular type of faith, and they were all great teachers and had phenomenal influence. And, 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 and um, spawned incredible movements that are still going on today, right? All of them were, were great leaders. But here's here why they are not equal. And here's why, where I want to camp for just a few minutes here. They're not equal because Jesus was the only one, historically, Jesus was the only one who claimed to be the Lord. He was the only one. No one else ever made that claim. He's the only one that said, I and the Father are totally one. He equated himself, uh, equated himself to God, saying, that's who I am. Muhammad didn't claim that. He, he didn't say that. Buddha didn't claim that. Jesus is the only one that said, I am God. Okay, that's a big claim. That's a huge claim. Look at this. In John chapter 8, verse 45. This is actually a long passage, so uh, read along with me, and I'm I'm not going to pause very much in it. We're going to go all the way through the end. Jesus is having a discussion with some uh, some of the, the pharisaical leaders, some of the, the people that opposed him during the time. And so it's a very, very telling discussion. Listen to this, verse 45. Yet, because I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking here, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? And if I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. And the reason you don't hear... Is that you do not belong to God? The Jews answered him. Aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and, a, a, and demon possessed? Do you know what they're saying there? Aren't we right in saying you are absolutely nuts? You're nuts! Jesus? Nuts! <laughs> yeah, I mean you are. And they're equating them. It's kind of a, a really sad deal. They're equating them to other people, right? And saying, You're demon what's wrong with you that you would make claims like this? Verse 49. I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. If I tell you the truth, if, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And at this, the Jews exclaimed, <laughs> they're like, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Ha ha! You would never say something like that. You are totally demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. And yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Very interesting here. Is Jesus saying no one will ever physically die? No, he's He's totally talking spiritually. No one would spiritually die. He said, if you, if you follow my words, you will never spiritually die. These pharisaical leaders here. Well, no, no, no. But people who follow God's laws and His commandment they died. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Look at this. Verse 54. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, who you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know Him, I know Him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar just like you. But I do, not, I, I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoices at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. <laughs> I like this. You're not even 50 years old yet. It's like they haven't even heard him, right? They're, they're still back with, what? You're not even 50 years old yet. And you've seen Abraham. Verse 58. Here's the clincher right here. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born... I am. Okay. Imagine having this conversation with somebody right here, right now. Right here, right now. Going down something like this. I've always been alive. Even before the history of time I existed. What would you think about that person? You you would think that they were loony. You would think that they were crazy. You'd be, what? What are you saying? Verse 59. At this. I like this. This is how a lot of the passages tend to end. <laughs> At this, they picked up stones to stone him. It's like they just kind of give up. They're just like, all right, grab a stone. You know, <laughs> let's just get this done. You in? You in? Stones, you know, five for 50 cents. What? And they're, they're getting ready to stone him. They're like, this is how we handle things. All right? This is how we're going to handle it. And so they, they pick up the stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself. I really wish I knew what he did. Yeah, don't you? Because sometimes we, we, we picture Jesus. I think sometimes we have wrong pictures of Jesus. You know, we, 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 we think that he, his feet never move and he just glides. You know, or, or what? Or he never eats, right? And his, 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 his robe is always like bleached and, and very beautiful. But, but here, here it is it, that Jesus hid himself. You know, <laughs> and, he, and he went and he hid. And I'm just like, man, I'd love to see that. How did he do that? How did he pull that off? But he hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. They were unable to stone. Why were they angry? Why were they angry in the passage? Because they were debating his existence. You do not exist. No, they weren't debating his existence. Even the people that were angry historically said, oh, yeah, he totally existed. So they weren't debating that. They weren't even debating his teachings. Because a lot of his teachings, it doesn't matter if you believe that Jesus is, is the son of God or, or anything. It, uh, people would say, Jesus' teachings were great. They were great. We're not disputing that. They're not debating that. Yeah, fine, he's a great teacher. Why were they upset? Because he made a claim that no one else had made. He said, I am God. I'm God. Okay, grab a rock. That's blasphemy. No one has ever said that. No one has ever claimed to be God. Muhammad was a great teacher, right? People would say he was a great teacher. Did he claim to be God? No. Buddha, did he claim to be God? No. Great teacher did not claim to be God like Jesus did. Jesus came right out and said, I am. I am. Look at this, John chapter 10, a couple chapters later. I really like this one. We're going to read this too. It's a little bit longer, but I want to read it because it fleshes out this thought a little bit more. Starting in verse 24 The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are Christ. Tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. Does this sound familiar? You never listened to me. I've told you. You're not hearing. Uh, you wouldn't believe me. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. In other words, you're, you're not following. So of course you don't believe. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life that's important put a little marker there i give them eternal life and they shall not perish no one can snatch them out of my hand verse 29 my father who has given them to me is greater than all no one can snatch them out of my father's hand verse 30 and i in the father are what's it say what's the text say i am what one Uh uh-oh uh-oh grab a rock he did it he did it guys he did it again grab a rock right and that's what they do. Verse 30, uh, 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Wow. Verse 32, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you. Listen to this. I've shown you great miracles from the Father. For which one of these do you stone me? You've seen me do great mighty works. I'm saying that I'm God. You've seen me do the works. Which one of the works, which one of these miracles are you going to stone me for? Verse 33, verse 33. We're not stoning you for any of these. Why are we stoning you? For blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Why does Jesus take heat? Why, why is it that, that, that he takes heat today? Why, why is it that, that even in PG-13 movies, have you noticed this? They'll clean up the F-bombs, but you'll still, you'll still hear, Jesus Christ. You'll still hear the name of the Lord taken in vain. When, when you're hammering a nail, right? And it slips off and you hit your thumb. What do you yell? Muhammad! Do you yell that? Buddha! No! What, what do people say? Gee, right. Here's an attack on the name of Jesus. And he's the only one that claims ever to be God. So was it? true? Was it true that Jesus was God? Because if we're going to answer the question, if Jesus is the only way, then we have to answer the question, well, then who who is He? Did He do what He said He was going to do? Did He do that? A couple verses later, right after Jesus said that he He was God, and He and the Father were one, in verse 37 of John chapter 10, just a few verses later, Jesus says this. He says, don't believe me. Don't believe me. Do not believe what I'm saying unless I carry out my Father's work. But, see, if I do His work, believe what I have done. Even if you don't believe me. Then you will realize that the Father is in me. And I am in the Father. So what's the test? What's the test to know if Jesus is really God? If Jesus is in the Father, if the Father is in Him, if Jesus is who He said He's going to be. He basically says, take inventory. Look at my life. Look at what I'm doing. Do I fulfill what the Scriptures say? Do I Am I doing what the Father wants? A- am I one with the Father? Do you see any incongruencies in me? Do you see anything at all that's glaring? Look at what I'm doing. Even if you don't even believe me, you've got to believe that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Just take a look. If you truly want to know who I am, if you truly want to... To look at these ridiculous claims that I'm making. Look at my life. Because you will see that I do what the Father does. We just read it, but I'm going to remind you here. In, in John chapter 28, that was the last passage, big passage we read. Jesus said here, He said, I give people eternal life. Does He do what the Father does? He said, I give people eternal life. What other world religious leader have you ever heard say that? None. None. You'll never hear another world religious leader say, I give eternal life. No one has ever made that claim. And Jesus said, I give it. Not God. I give Jesus eternal life. Luke chapter 7. He even goes further in Luke chapter 7 to forgive a woman of her sins. Okay, that was huge. They picked up stones again. That was huge. To forgive a woman of her sin. Because who can do that? Only God. But Jesus did it right there. In, in, in John chapter 8, verse forty-seven we, or for, uh, 46, we just read this a moment ago, he, Jesus said, look at my life and see if I'm guilty of anything. In other words, he's saying, Am I, is there any sin in me? Is there sin in me? Because if there's sin in me, then I'm not doing what my Father is doing. I'm, the Father is in an me, and, and I'm not in the Father, then I'm not who I claim to be if there's sin. In John chapter eight, fifty-one, he said, I, if I keep my word to you, if, if I keep my word, then you won't see death. What, in other words, he's saying, not only do I forgive sin, but I totally give eternal life through me. Through Jesus Christ, I give eternal life. No other world leader has ever said that. And then you just take a look at God's, or Jesus' miracles, right? And we could go on and on and on and on about the miracles of Jesus, can't we? How, how, many, how many people did he feed with a couple of fish and some loaves? A lot, like 5,000, right? With, with food left over, okay. All right, well, that's not convincing enough. He, he raised people from the dead. Well, David Copperfield, has he done that yet? No, he hasn't. So, and no other world leader has ever done that. World religious leader has done that. He raised people from the dead. He, he had authority over demons. He was able to touch people's ears and they heard again. A man with a shriveled hand regained his strength. He, he was able to walk on water. He, he spoke to a storm and it quieted down. Oh, it was, yeah, trickery. And, 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 and he was able to, to take people who were mute and be able to speak again. And Jesus said, if I'm not who I say I am, then you would never see me doing these things. So the first major difference, before we move on here, be, between Christianity and every single other world religion is that Jesus makes the exclusive claim, and this is the only only belief system that does that, Jesus makes the exclusive claim that he is God. That the Father is in him, that he is in the Father, and that he did what God wanted. That's pretty bold. That's a really bold claim to say, I am God. You will not find any other world religious leader that will ever, in all of history, make that claim. And so there's several things that you can do with that, with that claim. You can either say, okay, he was totally a liar... Okay, Jesus was completely lying. We'll, we'll look at that. Or he was crazy, right? Just like the Jewish people were saying, you're demon possessed. What's wrong with you? You're totally crazy. So you can say he's lying through his teeth. He's totally crazy. Or the only other third option to grab is to say, oh, maybe he's telling the truth. What other option is there? You're totally a mental case. <laughs> you are scamming people. Or maybe you're actually telling the truth. So if he was a liar, let's just assume for a moment that he was a liar. That, you know, like the rest of us, that he lied, right? Right? Does anyone in here not lie? Okay, you just lied, right? So we all lie. It doesn't matter if it's a white lie or a small lie. Several of you have already lied this morning, right? And uh, quite proud of it, whatever. So we all kind of lie, right? It's it's just part of human nature. So let's just say he was part of that, and he had that nature. Then he would be like the rest of us. Have you ever have you ever hung out with uh, uh, five year olds? <laughs> Dude, they lie like banshees, don't they? <laughs> I, I've spent a lot of, lot of time working with little kids and teaching them guitar. And I used to do a kite making class and like all kinds of really fun stuff during the summer times with little kids. And it's so fun to hang out with little tiny kids because you'll say, Hey, how many of you ever like swam in the ocean? And, and, and all of them are like, me, 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 I totally have done that. I've done that. You know, and then a little kid on the other side is like, yeah, I've done that too. I swam with sharks. Swam with sharks. They were biting at me all the time. Wow, wow, really? You swam with sharks? yeah. Yeah, and he bit me, and then I killed it. I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Guy on the other side of the room, five years old. I killed a lion. You can ask my dad. He killed one, too. You know, and they just lie. They just do that. So we are inherently, this nature within us just wants to lie. So let's just assume for a second that Jesus had this, this same nature, that, that, that he was a liar. Maybe he was. And if he was, you've got to admit, he was really good at it. He was fantastic at lying, because he was able to snow these disciples, first of all. Pull the wool over their eyes, right? Some of them were highly educated. They left their jobs and their careers and businesses and families, and for three years they followed him. And he snowed him. And if he was lying, just like any other human, at some point he would probably break, because he's not Jack Bauer, okay? And he would probably end up breaking. And I don't know when that point might be that he would break. Do you suppose he might have broken when they were slapping him and hitting him with their rings right on the face? His face was swelling up and bleeding, becoming disfigured. Do you think he would have broken at that moment? Or or do you think he would have carried out the lie even longer, right? Just lied a little bit longer to to cover his tracks. Do you think he would have broken at the point where they, they took the whip with the steel balls on there, Right? and the little shards of bone, and whipped him? Do you think he would have broken at that point where it just starts bruising the body, and then eventually it just rips off the flesh, and then blood oozes out? Do you think at that point, or do you think it would have, when his cavity was cut, and things were exposed on the inside, almost to the point of death, do you think that's when he would have broken and given up his charade? To say, I was just kidding. You know, I'm just a carpenter. I just got tired of the wood and just, I just wanted to, ha, ha, ha. You know, I was just messing with you guys. Do you think that's when he would have broke? But he didn't. He didn't. I guess it's an option. But a man who is known for his moral teachings, his great moral teachings himself, would he be immoral? So maybe, I don't know, if he was a liar. Seems unlikely. What if he was completely crazy? What if he was completely a lunatic, somebody that should have been locked up, put away, protected—you know—society uh, protected from him. You think of other people that are, might fit this, right? Like we've known some throughout history, right? Like David Koresh, maybe kind of a little bit, a little bit not right or something, or or you're like Jim Jones, or people who had these messiah complexes who who believed that they were God or some kind of deity. Maybe that was Jesus. Maybe he just had this weird complex. What's really interesting, though, about people that have these Messiah complexes is they have a disturbing history that you can see. There's something that precedes that, all kinds of history with them. They're power-hungry, and they're controlling individuals. And you think of Jesus, and there's no evidence of that at all. There's no eyewitnesses, there's no evidence, historically, in or out of the Bible, historically, that he was crazy. Instead, what you find out with Jesus is he is this most caring, passionate, compassionate person. So either he was a liar, he was completely crazy like the Jews said, or we have to we have to honor this third choice in that maybe he is who he said he was. Maybe he was savior. In Luke chapter 2 verse 10, the angels actually give him that title. Not only do they call him God or, or Lord, but they call him Savior. Look at this. Luke 2.10 But the angels said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Talking to the shepherds in the field. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. All throughout Scripture, he's referred to as the Savior, the one who will come and save. If he is called Savior, then you and I have got to, to re- uh, reconcile us, ourselves with that thought. And, and the question is, then, then do you need a Savior? Because if you don't need a Savior, then it doesn't really matter if Jesus came or not, or if he, he calls himself Savior, or if he's the only way to heaven. It doesn't really matter if you and I don't need a Savior. And, and if you go back to all the other world religions And if we know that all of them kind of share the same thought That there's right and there's wrong And we can recognize that the world is in a mess And we know that we, we want to do the right thing But we don't do the right thing and, and what we want to do doesn't seem to really help us And then how do we fix the problem in the world today? How do we actually right the wrongs And, and right the brokenness that we have in this world and, and all the wrong stuff that bugs us in our hearts and It doesn't matter which world religion if you're in If, if that's true how do we right those wrongs? How do we actually fix the fact that we're sinful people? Well, well you can go to these world religions, and it seems like every religion has these tenets, right? You can, you can keep the five pillars. You can keep the five pillars and then try to right the wrong of your life and, you know, all the evil that you do, or blah, blah, blah. Or you can do the Ten Commandments, right? Or the Eightfold Path and follow these ways. But the, what's wild is the more and more we become aware of these laws, the more we what? We break them. And we start to spiral down and follow down. It's like dieting, isn't it? <laughs> it just doesn't, oh, you're on it for a while. And then there's a new diet. Okay, let's grab that one and we'll try it again. And we'll try it again. It just doesn't seem to, to stick. And in the end, the problem is this we are the problem because we're sinful people. We're the problem. We have the sin nature inside of us that's been away from God and towards self. The more we try to fix it, the worse it gets. And if we look at the world, With ourselves in control. It's not getting any better. And the sin that we have. Knocks us out of relationship with God. Driving this rift in between us. And so all of scripture. All of scripture. And this is a major difference. Between all world religions and Christianity. All of scripture gives an answer. On how to deal with this issue. This separation from God. And here's what it says in in the Bible. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God... He so loved the world. God is completely smitten with this world. That He gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in Him, puts his faith, or her faith, in Jesus Christ. Won't perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, and I love this. God didn't send His Son in the world to, what? To point His finger and condemn. Ha! You're not doing it right. Follow the commandments better. Right? Do the eightfold path better. You're you. No, he didn't send his world, his son into the world, to condemn the world. What do he do? But to save the world, which indicates there's an answer there. Okay, let me back up. So I only need a savior if I think I need saving, <laughs> right? If I don't think I need saving, I get a little annoyed. Okay, picture yourself. You're in a lake, right? K two float uh, tube floating event. We're all on tubes. We're enjoying, uh, we're enjoying life, right? We have tabs and shastas. We're enjoying life. Can you ever buy tab anymore? Oh, that'd be fun. Can you? Uh, someone's like, yes you can. I can. I've tracked it down. And we're sitting in our tubes. How ridiculous would it be if a guy on the dock goes, oh my goodness, I'll get you, and he comes and he jumps, right? <laughs> and he grabs onto your tube. And he flips the tube. You're like, stop it. I'm fine. No, you need savings. For the love of God, you need saving. And he grabs you and he hauls you back. And by the time he gets you to shore, you're almost dead. (laughs) Would you be annoyed? Yeah, I should get out of the front row. I told him I wouldn't go any farther than this. Would you be annoyed? Yeah. See, if, 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 if I'm in the lake, though... And I don't have a tube and I don't know how to swim, or I'm weighted down by clothes, or something drastically has gone wrong. Okay, now I need a Savior. See, if you don't think you need a Savior, just tune out to the rest of this because it doesn't matter because you'll be fine. You'll be doing your own deal. But if you can recognize that inside of every single one of us is this wiring to be saved, this wiring. For faith, this wiring to want to know the story in which we are, the bigger story, this wiring to yearn and and long for eternal life. If you can say yes to that, then then you have to ask the question, what do I do with Jesus Christ? If He's the only one that ever claimed to be a Savior, what do I do with that? Because the answer to that question is the most important question of your life. Because all of life hinges on that. There are two fundamental major differences in world religions. I'm going to give you two words to write down really quickly. We've talked about the fact that that Jesus called himself God. He claimed to be God. We've talked about the fact that he followed through on all of that. And now we're going to shift gears slightly and just lay another little tiny foundation as we just move on here. And that is every world religion kind of falls basically into two categories. The first category is this, legalism. A lot of legalism. The second category is fatalistic. Either you say legalism, that, that, that maybe God is aloof and He's impersonal, and He's this legalistic God... And that, and that you have all these rules that you strive for and you and you work and you work and you work and you try in this world religion to try to serve God and just try to get His attention and that, and that maybe He'll accept you into His kingdom. And maybe, but that's up to Him, that is legalism. That I work and I try and I and I adhere and I try to be good enough. I try not to break any of the laws, the eightfold path, the the five pillars. Try not to break any of those laws because then... I'll be able to maybe get into heaven, but I don't really know. That's legalism. There's another type of view, though, and that's fatalism. This fatalistic view that you have no control over your destiny at all. None. Right? Your story is already there. It's all pre-planned. You don't get any choice at all. Everything has already been set into to motion and in order, and your, your destiny is already set out for you. So, so in a fatalistic view, it doesn't matter. Right? You see? It doesn't matter. So who cares if you have choice? It doesn't matter. Because it's already laid out. And you will find these in every single world religion with little tiny different nuances all over the place. See, in, in, in Islam, Allah, He chooses whether or not to forgive you. At the end, He will choose to forgive you or not to forgive you. And so you can work and work and strive and strive and, 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 and in the end, all your fate and everything is out of your control. That's legalism. And that's an example of a, of a non-personal God. Buddhism, where life has no purpose at all. In fact, there's no hope, there's no future, there's no destiny because you just kind of repeat it over and over again. It's circular, not lineal. And it's it's fatalistic because there's nothing to live for. There's no hope. It doesn't matter what you do or what you've done. It doesn't matter. So all religions are either legalistic, meaning this sovereign God doesn't give you any choice, over your destiny, or, 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 or it hasn't given you a choice to, for anything. Or they're fatalistic, which means there's no hope, and there's no future. And the problem with these is that none of them are relational. See where I'm going with this? That there's no relationship with God, period. None. In fact, in Buddhism, there's no God. So then why... Would it make sense that Jesus would be the only way to God? One, He claimed that He's God. He claimed that He's Savior. He claimed and followed through on those claims. He did what the Father did. Jesus isn't saying, you know, I hope you mark all the right questions on the test. I hope you, you get all your ABCs and right and I hope you pass the test and, and then I'll accept you. That would be legalistic. Jesus isn't saying that. Do you know what He's saying in the Scriptures? He's saying, listen, listen, I have come for you, There is no other world leader, religious savior, whatever, who has ever come. There's no other one. Jesus is saying, I have come for you. I'm the one that cares about you. Which, who, who else has done that? What other world religious leader has ever done that? Jesus says, I've come. That's my whole nature. I'm coming after you. Because this world is screwed up. Your heart is screwed up. I'm doing whatever it takes to come for you. End of story. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's the picture of that pursuing. Was, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them as he committed to us in the message of reconciliation. That word reconciliation its a beautiful word. word. It, it, it indicates restoring the favor of God. Isn't that beautiful? Why did Jesus come? To restore the favor of God. It's not about the law. It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. It's, it's that the hopes that God will someday, somehow uh, accept us if we're good enough. It's not that. It's God saying, I am all about the ministry of restoring my favor to you through my son, Jesus Christ, so that your sins are not counted against you. In Buddhism... If you get it right, then you get to do the endless cycle again and again. Allah, He may be coming for you, but you never know if He will or not. There's no assurance. There's no personal relationship there. He's watching to see if you'll live up to the expectations, but you cannot. And so that's why I love this question. Why is Jesus the only way? Because there's no other God that has ever come for us that longs to forgive you that longs to heal your heart, that longs to give you life. There's no other God that would do that because all the other gods are fatalistic or legalistic. As we end, I want to I end on this one great passage. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. The beautiful part of Jesus is He said, You can choose me. There's freedom in that. I'm not going to make you love me. If I make you love me, that's legalistic. It's fatalistic. There's choice involved. Because if you really love me, you'll choose. First John chapter 4, verse 7, this is an this, this is underlying principle of the backdrop of all scriptural truth. And, and I just need to tell you, you, you can totally reject this scriptural truth. You can do that. But I want you to understand what you're rejecting, if you do. If you're going to reject this, you have to choose between legalism and love. That's what you're choosing between. And you have to choose between fatalism and freedom if you choose to reject that. And you just need to know that. Because all world religions are based on those two. But God says, I am the one that pursues you with love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from who? It comes from God. Everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't know God, who I'm sorry, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And that's how God showed His love among us, that He sent His one and only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, who made the first step. God did. But that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's the driving principle of God, which you can actually see in the universe. This driving principle that when you choose to love, love expands. When you choose to love and engage that, love expands. When I choose God's love, His love actually expands in me. He comes and He rescues me and He pursues me and He first loves me. And when I latch onto that love, something dramatic happens inside of me. I, I now have this, this expansion. I have this, this ability to love. In other words, love is not just this limited commodity. See, when I first met Beth, I, 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 I met her and then I walked away and I had weird feelings all inside. I didn't know if I was sick. I didn't really know what it was. Do you know what it was? It was love, right? And I, and I fell in love with her. And, and I didn't realize I could love somebody like that. And my heart swelled and it expanded. Then what happened? We had a baby. And we had little Addie. And I remember thinking like, well how can I love both? I'll just split it 50-50. Right? And then Addie was born. And what happened to my heart? It expanded. This capacity to love expanded. And you love your wife. And you love your child. And I remember thinking this again when Bailey was born. Oh man. Now I'm going to have to third it up. Third, 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 third. But what happens? Bailey comes out. This hairy little monkey and she is, and my heart just goes, boom! This nuclear fission reaction of gushing love. just, And I'm like, I love this thing. And I love you for doing this thing. And where's my other child? Pat her on the head, right? What's your name? Because there's so many now. And then I remember Chloe coming out. I'm like, oh my goodness, how, 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 how? Four women. Four, four women. How could I love four women? Do you know, do you, have you experienced this? It expands. It's this commodity that keeps going and going and going. And I can't imagine I can't imagine loving any human beings more than that. And our souls have this expansion of love because it started through Christ and our willingness to love him. Check every other world religion and see if there is a God pursuing people like that through love. It's why he came why did Jesus come because of love giving us the freedom to choose or not and inviting you and me to live in that love it's amazing when Jesus was about to be crucified he didn't say follow me so you can be right he didn't say follow me so that you won't go to hell or follow me so you'll go to heaven. He didn't even say that. He said, follow me because I want you to have life. I want you to
2: live.